Thanks, Emily. Good morning, Brookside. How's everybody doing? Good? Good to see all of you. If you're a guest here with us, um, I too just want to say a special welcome to you. Um, we're really glad that you're here and uh, just really pray that uh, you have a, an encounter with God today that's unique and uh, just that he really meets you here in a special way today. I want to give you just, uh, just something by way of announcement, by way of reminder, um, that can really help us continue to grow as a church. As you know, when you come into our, our auditorium here, particularly once our worship has started and everybody is standing, it's really hard to find an open seat. There are plenty of seats, but it's, sometimes it's really hard to spot those seats. And so we're asking you um, if you would just continue to help us with this. And you've heard us use those words, south, forward, and in. And if you could continue to move south when you um, grab your seat, that would be great. And then... Um, you know, you don't have to go too far out of your comfort zone, but just a couple rows forward, that would be great. And then if you can move to the center of those rows, that would, that would really help us. You know how it is when you're new, you just, you don't want to uh, have a hard time finding a seat. So we just want to create as many open seats for our visitors as we, as we possibly can. Uh, in light of that, if you're sitting in this section clear over here or this section over here, there are six uh, gift cards to scooters underneath random seats. So uh, welcome to church. Yeah. In first service, they thought I was kidding, so they didn't check. So there's 12. Yeah, just look for them. They're there, all right? Hey, I also just want to mention one thing just as a last, and this really is just as a way to go to all of you. There's somebody over there like looking at all those blanks, right? But this really is just um, a way to go Brookside. Um, this week, I've heard some really neat stories about how you're applying God's word, how you're applying God's truth. I've heard stories about spouses that are taking the next step at home, how about how spouses are stepping it up and, um, and just really living for Christ in the context of their home. And, uh, and then I've heard stories this week about how singles are re- redefining and, and recommitting to um, what they're looking for in a spouse. Um, very cool stuff that God has been doing just in the last week. And so I just want to commend you and applaud you because really, I mean, there's nothing better, is there, when we're applying God's word, when it's truly impacting our lives and when we leave here and and we're changed. So just want to say way to go. Just so proud of us, um, just as a church, what God is doing in our, in our midst. So, hey, will you pray with me? And uh, let's just go to the Lord together, and let's just ask him to once again do what only he can do. I, I came across Psalm 112, verse 1 this week. It says, blessed is a man, blessed is a woman who finds great, get this, great delight in his commands. And, uh, you know, I thought we should go to the Lord this week and just say, Lord, we want to delight in your commands. We want to hear the teaching of your word and we want to delight in it and just say, God, we're, our hearts are soft to you and, and we delight in that and, uh, and we'll be blessed through that. And so, so yeah, would you, would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you this morning and um, Lord, it's, it's evident as it is on every Sunday morning that, that some come having had a great week and others come and, and uh, things are really tough. And um, Lord, I um, just want to ask that you would remind all of us here today um, that you meet us exactly where we're at today. You can be confident today that the Lord knows exactly what you're going through. And that might be great joy or that might be a really tough, challenging time. But Lord, today we just come to you and we just want to say, Lord, for these next moments that we have as we open up your word, Lord, our hearts are soft to you. And we're praying, God, that you would do only what you can do yet again. And so would you even have a, con- a conversation like that with the Lord? Would you maybe ask him, would you just say, Lord, I open myself to you and I pray that you'd speak. Lord, I open myself to you. And I pray that you would speak. Have some sort of a conversation like that with the Lord. Just on your own, even just right now. Go ahead and do that. Lord, I open myself up and I pray that you'd speak.
Lord, we trust you, and uh, that's why we come before you. That's why we long to be with you. Yeah, and we, we commit this time to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we get going, I want to give you a brief overview of where we've been in this series through the book of Ephesians. Um, this series called Masterpiece has been a, a pretty long series for us. We've been in this uh, many weeks. And so I want to make sure that everybody from time to time, we want to make sure everybody's on the same page and, and everybody's caught up to where we've been. You might remember as we started off this series, it was very evident that uh, the blessing of God that's found in Jesus Christ is really, it's, it's overwhelming. You might remember in those early chapters, it was pretty remarkable as we talked about who we are in Christ. We, we learned early on that we're chosen by God, that in love, that he's, he's called us. He's, he's called us into a relationship with himself. He's called us his very own. Uh, we were reminded in chapter 2 that we're saved by grace, that we can get off the performance track of, hey, I've got to do this and I've got to be this and I can earn my way. We, we get off the performance track and we get on the grace track. We learn that we're saved by faith, through, through, through grace, through Jesus Christ and, and what he extended to us, a free gift. It can't be earned. Then in chapter 3, you might remember this, this vivid picture that we got of the Apostle Paul. He's writing this from, from prison. And you might remember he was, he's on his knees in chapter 3 as he's writing this letter to the church broad and, and really to us today. And, and he wrote this. He said, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may may have power together with all the saints, and then get this, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. The Apostle Paul on his knees, he's, he's seeking God and he's saying, I, oh, I pray that my people, I, I pray that followers of Christ, even though they can't grasp it, oh, I pray that they would. I pray that they would grasp the magnitude of the love of God. And then we got to chapter 4 and the attention was really turned from who we are in Christ to how we should then live in light of the fact that we are in Christ. In chapter 4, verse 1, it says, I urge you then to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. It's a big challenge. Chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God. Like, see Jesus and say, that's who I want to imitate. That's who I want to be like. Chapter 5, verse 15, be very careful then how you live. Um, don't be unwise, but, but be wise. And then he said, hey, I want you, Christ followers, I want you to make the most of every single opportunity. Be the kind of people that you would say, your life counts for the kingdom of God. He's saying, I want you to live for something great. Don't settle. Live for something huge. Make the most of every opportunity. And then we got to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And we read this. It said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you remember this word submit, it means to, to yield to one another. It's out of reverence, out of deep respect, out of honor for Christ. And Jesus, we said, was our best example of this. He modeled perfect submission in the midst of the, 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 the cross that was about to come, this reality that he was about to face just hours before it. He's agonizing in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, okay, he says in that moment, he says, yet not my will, but your will be done. Jesus Christ, perfect submission. This verse, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians 5, 21. We said it's, it's, like a, it's like a bridge verse. Because on the one hand, the Apostle Paul has just said, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there'll be certain things that will be true of you. And as a result of who you are in Christ, uh, as a result of your spiritual maturity, they'll be in relationships, you'll submit to one another, there'll be mutual submission out of reverence for Christ. So that's kind of on the one hand, but then on the other hand, the Apostle Paul, we said he's about to talk about three different sets of relationships. 
He talked about husbands and wives. We talked about that last week. Then he'll talk about parents and children. We're going to skip that. We're going to come back to it in a whole series coming up. And then the last area where he said, hey, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's between employers and employees. And that's where we're going today. And in all of these relationships, the Apostle Paul, he's saying this. You treat each other in a certain way. Husbands, you might remember. He said, you're supposed to love your wives kind of sort of like Christ. No, no. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He said, wives, submit to and respect your husband's leadership. In all of these relationships, there's an end goal in mind that the Apostle Paul, he keeps pointing us back to. You can think of it like this. It's like there's a bullseye on the wall and he's saying, hey, in all of these relationships, I want you to keep pointing to this. And it's this reverence for Jesus Christ. That we would be the kind of people that whether it's in our marriage or whether it's with parenting or whether it's in our workplace, that we would be the kind of people that constantly what, what's our aim? Reverence for Christ. What's your aim? Reverence for Christ. Why do you do what you do? I want to revere Christ. I want to honor him. That because of who we are, that we would look back and we'd say, okay, I found out who I was early on in Ephesians. And as a result of who I am, this is why I do what I do. This is why I long to live for Christ. This is why I long for Christ to be exalted. Today we're tackling this subject. Who are we in the workplace? But let's first acknowledge this, just kind of foundational here. Who is engaged here in work? Who, who does this text apply to today? Who, who is, who's on the hook this morning? You might be here today and you would say, you know what, I'm unemployed. I'm out of work. And you're, you, you know, though, that when you're out of work, you're working. You're working very hard to try to find work. That's hard work. So you'd say, this text applies to me. You might be here today and you're a student. I would say to you, you have a full-time job, right? And you're going to have that for longer than maybe you want to. Students, you have a full-time job. You report to your teachers. They assess your performance. That you report to them. They're, in a sense, they're your boss. You have a job. You might be here today and you're retired and you've you worked a certain job for a number of years and now you're pursuing the, the next job that God has for you. We, we all understand this. We all have a place of work. This is the driving question for this morning and you might want to jot this down. Here it is. What does it mean to revere Christ, to, to honor Christ when I'm on the job? What does it mean to revere him? Have you ever seen that TV show, that reality show called Undercover Boss? Anybody seen that? Yeah, it's an interesting show, isn't it? It's where it's on CBS. It's where a CEO will go into a company and they'll dress like just like one of the other employees or whatever. They'll go undercover and hide their own identity as the CEO. And they'll go into the company and they'll rub shoulders with just the everyday workers. And here's why they're doing it. They want to see what exactly is going on in our organization. What's working? What's not working? And their whole goal is this. How can we improve? How can we improve? And then at the end of the show, they... They come out and they say, well, here, hey, I, I'm actually the CEO of the company and it's, it, you know, it's a big deal. And they reveal their findings of the organization. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus Christ was to go undercover in your workplace, what would he find? I mean, really, if this happened, just kind of play this out in your mind. When you found out that you'd been job shadowed by Jesus Christ, what would you be proud of? What would you think? I'm so glad that he saw that. On the other hand, what would you think to yourself? Oh, I hope he didn't see that. Oh, I hope he missed that. I hope he was busy getting coffee during that part. 
There's a statement that I, I want us to remember this morning and really this coming week that really flows from our text. It's the main point of the morning. Here it is. Don't, don't miss this. Here it is. We'll unpack this as we go. My job changed when my boss changed. Okay, I want you to repeat that after me. Here we go. My job changed when my boss changed. Okay, now let's pretend we're at a really good football game and we're like talking about the Bible because that happens a lot. Ready? Here we go. My job changed. When my boss changed. Before we look at Ephesians chapter 6, let's do this. And we're going to unpack that truth. Before we do that, let's, before we go to Ephesians 6, I want us to look very broadly at this idea of work in the scriptures. So let's go back clear to the beginning. Look with me at Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. It says, the Lord God took man and he put him in the garden of Eden. Okay, and here it is. To work it and to take care of it. This whole idea of work, it's very clear. There was a job to do, right? This is before the fall. There was something to cultivate. There was something to take care of. Now, if you were to approach anyone like a, like a farmer, maybe a farmer in our church, and, and you would say to them, hey, when you look back at Genesis 2.15 and the Lord God said, hey, take care of the garden and, and all that, would you say that's work? The farmer would be like, you better believe it. It's work. Know this, this is before the fall. This is before sin ever entered the picture. We see work, don't miss this, work was God's idea. Before sin ever entered the equation, work was a part of the equation. And it, and it wasn't a bad part. It, it wasn't like, oh, work's the, sorry, you have to work. No, work was okay. Work was in the, the original design. By God's design, his people would put forth effort and they would accomplish worthwhile results. This is why when you finish a job, you know, like you're doing something around the house. And for me, if it's just a small task, even it seems like I have to go back to Home Depot like 50 times. Right. But finally, on that last trip and it's all done and it's cleaned up. This is why when you look at a pro- you look at something you've done around your house or at work or wherever you look at it and you just, there's a sense of accomplishment. You just go, ah, it feels good to do that. You know why you have that? You were wired to work. That's from God. Looking very broadly at this idea of work in the scriptures, we also know this. Work isn't optional. Rather, it's it's very important. In our day, isn't it true that lots of times work kind of gets a bad rap? Work kind of gets the reputation of, well, if I if I just didn't have to work or someday I just can't wait and I won't ever have to work again. And then I can just veg out all day long. That's kind of the mindset. Yet to God, work is important. It's it's valued very highly. It provides income, income that's not only a provision, you know, that's a good thing, provision and a blessing for those that are receiving the income. But but know this, it provides uh, it provides blessing for other people. Our income should be not just for us, but it's for other people in need. That's why we should give our best in our workplace. From the scriptures, work is important. And thus in Second Thessalonians, chapter three, the Apostle Paul is he's warning his readers not to be idle. He's saying, don't be a lazy type. He's saying, hey, I, I don't want you just to, 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 to not be a, a worker. He's saying, no, no, wherever you are in your home, wherever you are, I, I don't want you just to be idle. And then he recounts how he set an example for them of what it means to work. And, and he gave his readers this instruction, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. He said, if a man will not work, this is in the Bible, he shall not eat. Work. Very foundationally is by God's design, and it's very important. Just think for a second about all the hours that you spend at work. Uh, This subject is hugely important. Ask yourself these two questions. 
Does my work bring honor to God? And then ask this one. This is, this is a hard one. Are the people that I work with, are they closer to God? Are they closer to Jesus Christ because they work with me? Look with me at Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at verse 5. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Now notice the context. You hear that word slaves and you kind of red flags go off in my mind. In biblical times, slavery was common and it was often abused. Clearly, though, throughout the scriptures, slavery, as you and I would think of it, it was forbidden. It was clearly inhumane, totally wrong, off limits. This word, though, that they used slaves in their day, um, you could interchange it with the word employee. They would have thought in terms of slaves, masters, as we think today, employees, employer. In this passage, too, remember that the Apostle Paul, he's talking to followers of Jesus Christ. Remember earlier in verse 21, he's laid out this whole idea of, of everybody submit to one another. So if you're a boss, your employees, you submit to one another. Mutual submission. He says slaves or employees, obey your earthly masters, obey your earthly employers. Now let me ask you a question. When you think about your, your boss, what comes to mind? If they're in the room, this isn't a good time. Don't share that, right? If it's negative. Do you think this in your mind? Do you think, oh, my boss, you got to meet her. Oh, my boss, he's a great guy. You, you just got to hang out with this guy. You got to meet him. Or do you think, my boss, what a fool. If he would just listen to me, if she would just relax a little bit. What do you think of your boss? Some of you have had tough bosses or you have tough bosses right now. I think from time to time, we probably all have at one point. I remember one of my bosses in, in college working for this landscape company. And I remember, you know, you'd be out there watering the trees or whatnot. And, and I remember he'd come around the corner and, and you would just cringe in your spirit. And you would just hope you were doing the right thing, holding the, wand, the you know, watering wand correctly or whatever, you know. And, and I just remember thinking, oh, here he comes, here he comes. You know, just turn your back, working, looking busy, looking real busy, you know. And I just... I felt so bad for this gal that worked there full time. I mean, I was there five hours. That's all I could take. I'm going home. I can't take this man anymore. I felt so bad for this gal. Well, what are your, boss, what are your, what are your bosses like? And ask this question. How are we to respond to our bosses? The good ones and the bad ones. Notice what the text says. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with. Here it is. Respect and fear. This is regardless of the kind of character that they have. It's with respect that we respect. We look at them and we say, you know what? I respect your authority and I'm thankful that I have a job. Respect means to honor. It's this idea of, oh, there's my boss. Oh, here he comes. I seek to honor him. I seek to honor her. And then notice it says this with fear. Now, you could say you could replace fear with with reverence. Like you revere them. You hold them in high regard. Your desire is to meet their expectations because you know what their expectations are, right? And so your desire is to help them accomplish whatever the mission is of the organization that you work for. And you give your best to that. Look at this. It gets even more challenging. Notice it's, it's not supposed to be just for show that you do this. But we're to serve them with honor, with respect, out of reverence. Notice with sincerity of heart. And we tell our kids this all the time. 
how you do what you do is just as important as what you do. What we're saying to them is this. Attitude matters. It's huge. Now, you might ask a very logical question. I've asked that of this text this week. How can I sincerely show honor and respect if I don't feel it? What do you do if you're in that situation? Remember the statement. My job changed when my boss changed. Look where the text points us. How do we do this? Look at verse 5, the second part. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. Here it is. Just as. Those two words that we even talked about last week. Just as you would obey Christ. God knows full well who you work for. But he's saying, hey, behave in such a way that it's as if you're working for Jesus Christ himself. And so instead of basing your attitude on their actions and your responses based on what they do to you and how you feel inside, what we do is this. We base our behavior on Jesus Christ as though he were our boss. He's our aim. Remember, again, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Christ, Christ, our aim. We obey how? Just as it says we obey Christ. Remember God's instruction to husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as your wife deserves. No, didn't say that, did it? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Again, the aim is Christ. Note this, if you want to be a standout in your workplace as a follower of Jesus Christ, regardless of who your boss is or how they treat you or what they say to other people, show them respect. Serve them with all that you've got with an attitude that shows that you're really serving the Lord. And I assure you of this, particularly if you have a bad boss, your coworkers will be like, what happened to you? Why aren't you gossiping like we always do? Do you see, did you forget? Are are you drunk here at work? You know, I mean, they'll wonder what's wrong with you. Don't you understand what's going on? But here's what, what can happen to you. You're saying, you know what? In my mind, I'm serving the Lord now. The Lord is my aim. Isn't it true? The job changes. When the boss changes, look at me at verse six, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Saying, hey, don't be that employee that when the boss comes around, all of a sudden you sit up in your chair, you take solitaire off the computer screen, and then you look very seriously like, boy, I'm really into this and grappling with it, right? Don't be the kind of employee that, you know, you've been leaning against the shovel all day. But then you see the boss's truck coming around the neighborhood and all of a sudden you grab a little dirt, put it on your cheeks. And the boss walks up. Hey, boys, how are we doing today? (sighs) Really digging into our work, boss. Getting after it, you know. Got the water bottle on your head. Don't be that. He's saying, no, no, no. Don't be one person when they're there and a totally different person when they're not. Be the same person, whether in the, in the room, whether they're on the job, or whether they're on vacation. Remember, if, if we're seeking to obey them just as we would Christ, your new boss never leaves the room. This is why this statement can be true. My job changed when my boss changed. Psalm 139, verse 7, David is proclaiming. He says, Lord, where can I go from your spirit? I mean, if I go to the depths of the earth... You're there. Lord, where can I go? Where can I flee from your presence? Answer, nowhere. David's like, there's nowhere. I can't go anywhere. Why? You're everywhere. Jesus knows everything about us. You've heard that saying before. 
When the cat is away, finish this with me. When the cat is away, the mice will play. When God becomes your boss, this won't be true. Is there anything you do at work that you don't want others to know? That you wouldn't want them to see? Do you ever compromise your integrity just to make a deal? Just to push it through when you know you cut a corner? Is there anything that you wouldn't do if if Jesus was looking right over your shoulder? When I was in high school, um, I worked for a number of years at, at High V. There was a new High V that was built in the in the um, city I grew up in, and it seemed like half our high school got hired my sophomore year at high school, and, and so we all got different jobs around High V. And, and I remember I worked in the specialty meat department in the back corner of the store, and and I remember um, I had worked there not very long, and I started noticing that different employees would take food from our department or from departments around us or just from even on the floor and they would take it into this cooler and they would eat the food. Now, it wasn't break time and I began to do this very regularly and it wasn't break time and this food hadn't been paid for. And now I look back on that and I go, hmm. And and we justified it at the time. It was kind of like quality control. Got to make sure, helpful smile in every aisle. We want to make sure this food's good, right? Justified it. Now I look back at that and I go, That was stealing, stealing from the company on a regular basis. And I remember then as a sophomore in college, a couple years later, coming to know Jesus Christ. And and you know how this is. The spirit of God just lands on you. Sometimes it's heavy. Sometimes it's much more heavy than you would like it to be. And there were a couple issues that I just sensed the Lord was saying, you need to go back and clean a couple of these up. And this was one of them. And so on one of these breaks from, um, from school, from, you know, came back from Iowa State and I remember walking into High V, and sure enough, going to the back corner of that store, and I saw there's Mr. Morez, my boss. And I walked right up to the counter, and he said, Hey, Jeff, it's so good to see you. How's college going? And I'm thinking, oh, this ain't going to be so happy, you know? And we did the small talk for a little bit, and then I said, Mr. Morez, can I see you? Can we just talk? And so, you know, he walked over, and he goes, double doors to the meat department. He walked out and met me in the hallway, and I said, Mr. Morez, sir, I... Um, I said, I just came to know Jesus a couple months ago, and, and it's really changed my life. And, and I said, you know, I, I, I need to confess to you today that I, I sinned against you, and I sinned against this whole company um, when I worked here. And um, I took food, and I, 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 I stole from the company. And I worked for you, so I stole from you. And I said, and I, I'm really sorry. I said, would you please, would you please forgive me? And uh, I gave him a check that, you know, would cover any food that I had eaten and much more. And he looked at me, and this didn't play out exactly like I had hoped. He looked at me and he said, he said, yeah, yeah, I I forgive you, Jeff. But then he said, Jeff, he said, I'm so disappointed. He said, Jeff, I trusted you. He said, Jeff, this is the reason why I had you closing all the time. I trusted you. Ask yourself this question. Honestly, in that moment, I wish he would have just punched me. It would have been a lot better than that disappointment, right? Ask yourself this question very seriously. Are you a trustworthy employee? Do you ever cut corners? Is there anything that you wouldn't want your boss to know about? The rest of verse 6, let's look at this together. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes are on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God your Father from your heart. Doing the will of God from your heart. It's not just this idea of it being just a, kind of a front that we put on, but it's really actually true, like to the core. 
you, you know this if you, if you know the scriptures and you might be new to the scriptures here today. And, but know that Jesus in the gospels particularly, he talked, he talked oh so much about the heart. I mean, he was really concerned about the heart. His harshest words that Jesus spoke were to this group called the Pharisees. He said, you're snakes. You're a brood of vipers. He didn't hold anything back in his criticism of them. And here's why. Matthew chapter 23, verse 5. He said, everything they do, they do, it's, everything they do is done for men to see. Jesus says, I want you to really mean it. Be the best worker you can be in your organization. Why? Because you're working for Christ. And, and, and when you are, when you see it that way, your perspective will be rocked. You won't have to fake it one bit. Our boss is in heaven. Latch on to that. Yesterday, my six-year-old son wore around a Power Rangers costume all day long. It's a great day for a six-year-old, right? Very happy young man. And uh, this costume really is a man's dream. I mean, it is slip-on muscles all over the place. I mean, muscles, thighs, calves. I mean, whole thing, back. I mean, it's a lot of muscle. And, and so we're sitting there together, just kind of sitting together outside. And, and he looks at me pretty seriously. And he says, he just kind of looks over his body and he says, Dad, just feel my muscles. I mean, he was convinced, you know. And, and I was thinking, they're a little cottony soft. But yeah, they look, look pretty good, bro. In our places of work, though, don't, don't lose this. It says, do the will of God where from? Not just exterior. No, 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 no. The real deal. From your hearts. Not just an external thing. Verse 7 keeps going. Serve how? Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, not people. When Jesus is your boss, the job chains and your perspective gets rocked. Look with me at verse 8. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever missed a promotion that you thought you should get? Have you ever not been recognized for a job that you just did really well? Maybe someone else got the recognition for it. Know this. Be encouraged by this. There is no good work that you don't do to the glory of God that he doesn't know and that he won't reward. Be encouraged by that. We read in the Gospels that that those who are faithful stewards of little, they will be entrusted with much. And that might not happen in this lifetime, but it surely will happen in eternity. Your work, your hard work, when you give your best, it does not go unnoticed. Be encouraged. Your heavenly Father is watching you. So I think what we have to do is we have to even look at our, our jobs maybe a little differently. We have to think long term. We have to think, okay, if, if I continue to behave this way at work in five years, what kind of fruit will that bear? In 10 years, in 20 years, for all of eternity, if I stay committed to Christ and, and I, I, I seek to continue to, to be a worker for Jesus Christ and continue to seek to point others to him, you know what, that, that will bear fruit for, for all of eternity. So we think long term, changes our perspective. Look at verse 9, he kind of turns the corner here. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. You're a master. You're a boss. You're an employer. That's anyone really, this text now is talking to anyone who has even one single person reporting to you. 
And it says this, masters, treat your employees the same way. Meaning this, remember verse 21, submit to one another. Bosses, submit to your employees. Employees, submit to your boss. There's mutual submission. So bosses, with respect, with honor, as, get this, as if Christ were working for you. Bosses, you're to, to uh, treat those that report to you with, with, with utmost respect, out of reverence for Christ. Now you might ask, okay, should a boss hold an employee accountable then? Should a boss measure their success? Absolutely, you bet. Should a boss give honest feedback? Should a boss make hard personnel decisions? Yeah, most definitely. But the question is this, how does it get done in the workplace? Brooksiders, how do we do this? How do we carry out our leadership role? Employers, don't miss this. How you treat your employees, how you go about your business will either attract people to the gospel of Jesus Christ or it will push them away. They will either be attracted to you and they will say, man, I've worked for him. I've worked for her for 15, 20 years. I just keep seeing something in them. They just live with integrity. They walk down the hall and they notice me. And I also notice they treat so-and-so who's clear down low on the ladder. They treat them the same way as they treat me. What's different about you? They'll be attracted to the gospel. On the other hand, be the kind of boss that, you know, you threaten and you're heavy handed and, and that whole thing. People will be repulsed from the gospel. You'll push them away. Notice the next instruction to bosses. It says, do not threaten them. Don't threaten your employees. Don't be the type of boss that abuses your position of, of authority. Think about this. Does God give you what you deserve? Thank goodness, no. How does he treat you? Is God harsh? Is he like, hey, get your act cleaned up today. I said today, I'm tired of waiting. No, he goes after his lost children. He seeks them out. He extends grace. Philippians 2, he took the, the posture of a servant. He laid down his life. It says, do not threaten them since you know that he who is both, is both their master and yours, he's in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Meaning this, we will all report in the end to the same boss. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, okay, what kind of employees are we? Oh, what kind of employers are we? The people that work for us, how would they describe our leadership? You might ask, why is this so important? I mean, why, why a whole section on work? I mean, it just seems like maybe this isn't quite as spiritual as these other two issues that we could have just talked about. The husbands and wives and the children in the home and all that. You know why? It's because this is huge. I mean, think about how much time you spend at work. And know this. And, and it was like the Lord just kept reminding this and bringing this to me over and over this week. Know this. In your workplace, you have influence with God's prized possession. People matter to God. Think about that. You work with God's most prized possession and people are watching. People know how you work. And here's what will happen. Either you will have a reputation that is very winsome to the gospel, the saving message of Jesus Christ, or people will say, you're a church person? Oh, good. Thanks for reminding me why I'm not. Or they will say, oh, wow, he treats me. Oh, she treats me. You go to Brookside? Really? Oh, so-and-so does too. And employers will say, yeah, I'm looking for Brooksiders to fill the spots here. Why? They work unlike anybody else. Brookside Church, ask yourself the question, what kind of workers are we? Is Christ revered 
Are pe- this is a hard one. Are people attracted to the gospel because of how we work? Let's pray that that would be true of us this morning. So yeah, let's, let's pray together. Lord, I pray again this week, um, as we get yet another challenge from the book of Ephesians, Lord, I pray that again we would take the, the teaching of your word very seriously. God, that it would impact us as I prayed all week, not so much today, but it would impact us on Monday. That, that, that our workplace would be different this week. That our boss might even just go, what's different about you? I think boss's day is even this week. Lord, well, maybe that's your timing. Maybe this is our opportune time to, to honor them. And Lord, for those that are leaders in here, that you're, you're leading different people. Lord, I pray that we would be the kind of leaders that our people look to us and they say, that person is fair. That person, they have integrity. That person, their life keeps pointing me to something that I want to know more about. Lord, help us to be, I pray, those kind of people. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, let's go ahead and stand up and, and we'll close with this song.